This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. Once again, it's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me today, and believe me, it's an honor to be here today with you. Whether you're new to the Frankly Daniel Show or a long-time listener, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. I have a special program lined up today about the classified documents that are the hullabaloo that's going on in the Biden White House. Now, there is so much material and so many different angles to this story. Not only are there scores of angles to this story, but along with the increasing angles come changes in direction. You get stories like, for instance, there are no uh, visitor logs at the Wilmington residence in Delaware. And then two days later, The Secret Service comes out and says, well, if Congress wants these materials, we have them. We're happy to provide them. Of course, we log everybody in. You get the press secretary coming out one day saying, we're one of the few White Houses that meticulously keep these kinds of visitor logs, both at the personal residence and at the White House. And then a spokesman for the White House comes out a day later and says, we don't have any of these for the Wilmington or the uh, uh, Joe's Beach House in Delaware in Rehoboth, uh, because these are personal and private uh, residencies, and the public has no right to information about that. And this contradicts something that was said by the White House's prior secretary, press secretary, who came out and said, wherever the president is in the world, he's basically in the White House. He is prepared and can work. Uh, He's got all the communications. He's got everything that at his disposal that he would have any place else. And certainly that would be at the private residence where they've got Secret Service protection. They have uh, skiffs uh, for information, uh, retrieval and review. They have all the things that are necessary for him to do his job. So why wouldn't you have visitor logs uh, for those different places, especially a personal uh, residence like the Wilmington home that Joe spends most of his time there anyway. But this is just all part of a story that has to do with the mass confusion and misinformation that's going on in the White House. And part of that is a lot of this information has been held very close to the vest. And we have just found this out. Apparently, there were only eight people in the White House and very few at the DOJ that knew anything about these classified documents. Eight people. They were going to bury this story. Their intent was to bury this story. There's even a New York Times article out today saying this is exactly what the plan was. This was going to be some minor uh, issue. It was a misplaced documents. It was somebody else's fault. And there was no reason to disturb the public or make us look like fools in front of foreigners and and hostile governments and the like. And so they'd made a pact with the DOJ, and that's exactly what they called it. They had came to, they'd come to an agreement that no one was going to talk about this. And if you watch any of the uh, press briefings that go on almost daily with Corinne Jean-Pierre, which are a total disaster, uh, you can see that uh, it, they're not giving her any information. 
They basically give her a script to run out there every day, much like Joe has. You know, he reads everything off uh, sheets that they give him or the teleprompter, and, and they just cringe when he goes off script and decides to talk on his own. But, you know, if there was really a strong communications individual as a press secretary, that person would have quit by now and said, I can't do my job, but you, you just make me run out there and, and I stutter through the whole press conference. And then the next day I come back and there's a different story you give me to read that really contradicts what I said the day before. It's really a delicious story when you, when you begin to look at all the different dimensions and all the problems this is leading to for Joe Biden. There's more problems that are going to come, and they don't have anything to do with classified documents. But this is a door opening to problems that Joe has been avoiding ever since he got into influence peddling. And his problems with influence peddling are extremely serious corruption. And there's no two ways to get around it. So the truth of the matter is that this is a much bigger problem than just a bunch of misplaced documents. It's a problem for Democrats as they look to 2024. It's a problem for the White House. And I mean all of them in the White House. You've got the Susan Rices and the Ron Claines and all those people behind the curtain that are really running Joe Biden. Joe Biden is nothing more than a Trojan horse. We've been saying that for at least four or five years now, and certainly the last two. He's nothing more than a cardboard cutout of someone the Democrats desperately needed to put in place and thought they could control him, and well, they have most of the time. But he came with baggage, and they didn't know about all that baggage, and some of that baggage we're finding out now. And one of the major problems is dementia, quite frankly. And, and Joe has dementia. They, 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 there's no dispute about this, is there really? If you go back and listen to any of the um, YouTube tapes of, of Joe Biden talking 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even in 2016 when he went to Ukraine and fired the prosecutor that was pursuing the Burisma company that was paying his son $83,000 a month for a no-show job, over the course of, I think it was four year, a four-year contract. If you listen to him talking, uh, it, it, it's so different than today. Uh, he can't finish his sentence. He can't put them together. He's got an old man shuffle. He shakes hands with imaginary figures. And these problems are becoming more apparent every day to those in the White House, at the DNC, and to just about everybody else. I don't think anyone believes that Joe can go another six years in the White House and just be controlled by the puppeteers in the back rooms of the DNC and the White House. So what are they going to do? So some have speculated that this leak about these documents, these classified documents, came about because this was a way to really shake Joe up and perhaps get him to pull back from what was going to be a very soon announced run for the presidency in 2024. Now, you know, they, they prop Joe up all the time at the White House. A, a lot of attaboys, you're doing a great job. They feed him very little information. And the information is very controlled that he gets. And I think he truly believes he's doing a fabulous job. And there are some concrete examples, really, of him reasonably believing that. I mean, the midterms were a disaster for Republicans. 
And Joe has taken that credit all to himself because he's defending democracy and defending a woman's right to have an abortion. And he's defending contraception and same-sex marriage and uh, racial intermarriage, all kinds of things. So Joe is self-delusional. Not only is he appeared delusional to us, but I think he's done a very good job, along with his wife, Jill, convincing him that he's the man. Now, unquestionably, there are those in the White House that are on board for another six years, you know, finishing out this term and then all the way to uh, 2028 uh, under Joe Biden because they have a vested interest in staying in the White House themselves. But there are others that are thinking, I can probably stay in the White House. We just need to change Joe out. And we're pretty convinced it's not going to be with uh, Kamala, but perhaps it will be with uh, Gavin Newsom out of California. And if you've noticed, he, he has shown up at the White House when Joe's not there, schmoozing with the other people right along. So some have speculated that that component that would like to change horses but stay in their own places, somehow leaked this information to CBS on January 9th. Even though this uh, document leak uh, happened 68, 70 days ago now on November 2nd. And we're going to go over that timeline and look at it in depth. But personally, I don't believe the uh, Democrats that would like to change horses and decide to you know, send a signal to Joe, it's, it's, it's time for you to pass on here. I mean, not literally, but uh, figuratively, go back to Wilmington, where he spends most of his time anyway. I mean, if you've seen the amount of time Joe Biden is actually at the Wilmington White House, that it, it, it makes you wonder why we even have a White House. He's there most of the time. And we know why he's there most of the time. They are confined, familiar settings. And this is the way how you best manage people with an advancing and continuous dementia. But I'm, I'm not one that believes that this is how they were going to go about it. I think this is a story that got away from them. They had decided to bury and hope to just get through it as a, a minor uh, uh, faux pas and that uh, everything was going to be just fine. So why did this story get leaked? Who sent Joe's personal attorneys to the office in, at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., obviously well before November 2nd, to begin packing his office. Those are the official line. They were packing his office because he no longer needed that space since he was in the presidency. This is two years after he's been inaugurated, by the way. Why were they going in there and you would have attorneys packing? Bo- they weren't packing boxes. They were looking through every sheet of paper. I'm going to tell you why. They were looking through every sheet of paper, and I'm going to tell you what they were looking for and why they needed attorneys to do that looking. But as of January 19th, Joe Biden doesn't think very much about this classified document problem. In fact, he doesn't believe there's any there there. We found a handful of documents were failed uh, or filed in the wrong place. We immediately turned them over to the archives and the Justice Department. We're fully cooperating, looking forward to getting this resolved quickly. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. But not everyone agrees with you, Joe. 
Here's a clip of Senator Ted Cruz on the Hannity Show just a couple of days ago. This past week has been the worst week for the Biden White House since the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, since the murder of 13 servicemen and women. The White House hasn't had as bad a week as they've had. They've, they've had they've had incompetence. They've had scandal. They've had corruption. They've had dishonesty and they've had hypocrisy. And all of that has been on display in the past week. You know, when we saw Merrick Garland stand up and appoint a special counsel to investigate Joe Biden, I, I joked on my podcast, Verdict with Ted Cruz, that that uh, Merrick Garland was was like a hostage video. He was blinking out SOS because he was so unhappy and he was forced to do it. He had no choice but appoint a special counsel, given the utter hypocrisy in going after Trump and it was discovered that Biden had classified documents, not in one place, not in two places, not in three places, but four and five. He had him stuck by his Corvette. He had him stuck in a room by the garage. He had him in the Penn Center. He had him in the residence. You got to wonder where Joe Biden didn't have classified documents and all of his preening about irresponsibility. He's either being dishonest or incompetent. But what's clear is he's sending Corrine Jean-Pierre out there to dissemble, to mislead, to say things that are factually false. And day after day, she stands up and says falsehoods from that podium. And, and I think it's only going to get worse. Well, it's already gotten worse. There have been more lies told by the White House about what's going on and, this, and the media. I mean, there's still places like the New York Times and the Washington Post that have come out and they are in full support of Biden, a good old honest Joe Biden. The Joe Biden that had to leave the 1988 presidential race because of frank plagiarism. Uh, there's been so many lies and stories that Joe Biden has told over time. And even in the last two years of his presidency, there's just, it's inundated with so many falsehoods that it's gotten to be a federal joke. In fact, it's a global joke about the the ridiculous stories that Joe tells as if he's telling a, uh, a stories to his grandkids about how he fought in the Civil War and the American Revolution and whatever, whatever. So you're sitting there in your car, you're sitting at home, wherever you're listening to this program, and you're saying to yourself, why, why should I care? Why should anybody care? Who gives, why am I even listening to this program about these stupid documents I mean, there's, 20, there's now 25 of these classified documents. And do you think it's going to have any effect whatsoever? They'll just roll over this like they roll over everything else. I mean, apart from the fact that this is a delicious irony and that Joe Biden is he's going to get kicked around in this whole thing. But, but why, why care about any of it? Well, don't you care about government transparency or accountability? Oh, we, we use those words all the time. Uh, maybe, maybe not. What about the federal centralization of all authority, the authoritarianism that we've seen in this particular White House? And it's being run through some guy that can't even put two sentences together. But perhaps more importantly, the weaponization of places like the FBI, the IRS, which I want to talk about in just a second, the DOJ, all these different federal departments. You know, we have a leak that went on during the Dobbs case in the Supreme Court, and they still can't even find who did the leak. I mean, how ridiculous have things become? Y yes, we are divided, but perhaps we're just under-informed. Under 
if you ask 25 people on the street if they know anything about the fact that they're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents, new IRS agents, how many people would say, oh, yeah, I knew that? Did they know anything about what that means for you and me as we're trying to do our taxes? Interestingly, the Trevelga Group just found, just in a recent survey, 84% of Republicans oppose the expansion. But only a quarter, only 25% of Democrat voters also oppose the hiring spree. Doesn't make any sense. Yes, well, we're obviously divided. You know, well, the White House has defended this IRS overhaul. They're saying that the IRS would target only the ultra-wealthy and, and they're expected to target perhaps small business and freelancers in an effort to bring in more than $200 billion in revenue. And where do they use that revenue? Have you looked at any of this stuff that's going on? I mean, the, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office just released a survey and found that 78 to 90 percent of new revenue from this hiring of 87,000 agents is going to come from families making less than $200,000 a year, not the $400,000 Biden has been talking about. The current IRS workforce is just around 79,000 full-time staffers. They're going to add 87,000 new agents. The Pentagon, the, the Pentagon houses roughly about 27,000 employees. State Department, just about 78,000. The FBI, how many people are in the FBI? There are about 35,000 full-time staffers. Customs and Border Protection employs just under 20,000 Border Patrol agents. And this budget increase that the agency is getting with all these people increases their budget by 600%. Again, According to a study from the Nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation, the majority of new revenue from IRS audits and scrutiny is going to come from those making less than $200,000 a year. This committee also found that just between 4 and 9% of the money raised by all these new agents is going to come from people making more than a half million dollars a year. So the Democrats are claiming... Most of this money that's going to get come from all these audits are, are targeting millionaires and billionaires. It's not true. This is literally the weaponization of another one of our institutions. This is the deep state getting deeper. This is the swamp getting swampier. How do we know there's such a thing as a deep state? The difference in treatment and unequal justice that goes on in most of our federal organizations. Here's Senator Ted Cruz again. Because this administration is corrupt and it's dishonest. You're right. They knew about it November 2nd. The archives knew about it. The Department of Justice knew about it. Now we've learned the Biden Department of Justice leaks like a sieve when it's against Donald Trump. We see photographs of the raid. We all see all sorts of leaks when it's politically advantageous. And yet in this instance, six days before the election, miraculously, DOJ was slammed tight like a trap. They were not going to leak it because they want Democrats to win. And I think one of the very worst legacies 
of Joe Biden has been the deep corruption of the Department of Justice and of the FBI. Why didn't the FBI raid Joe Biden's Delaware home? Why didn't they raid the Penn Center? Why did they just trust the lawyers? Hey, you guys look around, see what's there. Because it is a patently double standard. And I will say this. I think the White House is not really concerned about legal exposure. Merrick Garland appointed as a special counsel someone who had been the right hand to Rod Rosenstein, who had been the right hand to Chris Ray. I think they believe this special counsel is going to give him a slap on the wrist, slap it under the rug, and be done with it. They're not really worried, I think, about facing an indictment. Here's, here's what they are worried about. Merrick Garland and the Biden White House wanted to indict Donald J. Trump. They wanted to indict him for Mar-a-Lago, and suddenly they're in a world of hurt politically. Because if they bring that indictment, even someone who's been asleep under a log for 100 years will wake up and say, wait a second, why do you indict that guy for doing the same thing the other guy did? That's their problem, and it's why they're so dismayed. So we're back to why should you care? Well, if you're like me, I'm a Trumper. I really don't like what's been happening to Donald Trump. All the attacks, the Russian collusion, which turned out to be the largest hoax ever perpetrated by several people and a party against a president and a presidential candidate, and not to mention the things that have gone in Mar-a-Lago and other lawsuits. Everything is Trump's fault. He is the boogeyman. Everybody on the left is attacking Trump. And some of the people on the right who were Trumpers in the past have been worn down and they're fatigued by all the Trump trash as if somehow, if we just got rid of Trump, everything would go back to normal. I'm here to tell you, nothing could be further than the truth. In fact, he's probably the only person, as bizarre as his whole career has been, who has contributed to the sanity, to the political and economic and social sanity in this country. Why are we so quick to be cowered by cancel culture and these progressives and all the wokeism to give up our Judeo-Christian values and hide, sometimes almost in shame, that, that we even own a Trump hat. And I'll tell you, I own probably 23, 24 Trump hats, MAGA hats. And yes, I'm ashamed to tell you that I'm concerned about wearing them outdoors, especially when I'm with my family. And I live in Florida, a very forgiving state. I wouldn't even imagine wearing it in Maryland, where we have other family, or some of the other places. Uh, I didn't take any of them to New York when we just visited up there, that's for sure. Yet we tolerate. I'm ashamed to say that we tolerate. I don't. I speak out every chance I get. But we tolerate a corrupt crook as president and a total incompetent as vice president. And we let those people behind the curtain in the White House, and all those radicals that are on the Democrat side, they call themselves Democrats and don't resemble any Democrat most of us ever knew as we grew up through our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, that's for sure. These people are so afraid not to be woke that they sing the party hymn. Some of them do it as part of their belief system now, most of them do it out of just sheer fear. Look what they've done with the January 6th commission. I have never seen anything like this. I've read all about the McCarthy 
and not the current McCarthy, the McCarthy who held all those anti-communism hearings in the Senate many years ago and blackballed anybody who appeared to have any relationship at all with anything communism or socialism. But in today's world, the Democrats, we've allowed once again, because we didn't elect the right people, we can't seem to get our act together to get involved and elect the people with sanity that will bring us back to who we've always been. But we've allowed these people to conduct a lynch mob. And who are they out to lynch? Well, they certainly are punishing the tarnation out of anyone who even walked around the Capitol that day, whether they had any intent to be part of some conspiracy, some conspiracy. Nobody has proved to me there was any conspiracy to uh, overtake the government. That's for darn sure. But the number one enemy on the progressives list and on Joe Biden's list, you know, we're all evil magna people, but the number one evil has been Donald Trump. And they thought they had Donald Trump all sewn up in a box, ready to send to the mortuary. And that was the Mar-a-Lago raid. And when you look at that case, you have to wonder how in tarnation they ever decided to raid. And that's exactly what it was. 25 people with guns. They turned off all the cameras. They wouldn't allow the attorneys to participate. And all the documents that Trump has in a locked facility, in a locked compound, the National Archives knew exactly which each of those documents were, and the dispute was whether Trump had the authority to declassify those documents and possess those documents. And instead of negotiating in good faith, they decided to pull off this most ridiculous raid. Allow me to read a few paragraphs from a New York Times article just the other day. It reads... Most Democrats still think Mr. Biden is honest and that they view his accomplishments on the economy, climate, infrastructure, and defending democracy as far more significant than this lapse. But it's hard to exaggerate the level of Democrat exasperation with him for squandering a huge political advantage on the Mar-a-Lago story and for muddying what may have been the best chance to convict Mr. Trump on federal charges. Well, the New York Times is correct. Most Democrats do believe that Joe Biden is still an honest person. But anyone born with simple horse sense would never say anything so ridiculous. So, with your permission, we're going to take a very, very short break so we can pay a few bills. Please stay tuned, because on the other side, I'm going to share with you why Joe's document scandal is the backdoor entrance to Joe's demise as our current president. Right here on the Frankly Daniel Show, I'm predicting Joe Biden will resign the presidency within the next 10 months to avoid impeachment. That's right. I'm going to tell you why and how it's going to happen on the other side. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. 
click the banner ad on americaoutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day, yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan. A plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. A plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. Now, before we left for break, I said not only will Joe Biden not run again for the White House in 2024, but he'll be driven from his current presidency by scandal. And no, I didn't say which scandal, but I will share that with you this half hour. When Joe Biden goes down, when the demise of Joe Biden is apparent, his presidency is going to take an awful lot of progressivism and wokeism down with it. Because I believe the American people are just about fed up with the weaponization of everything and this crazy march to climate control and all the other things that are being destroyed by progressivism. And having Joe sit up there as an empty suit, signing executive orders and a host of other things. The stuff on the border is just, it's, it's unimaginable. And if you look into any of the information, the scientific information on climate agenda, the, the green movement, the whole thing is just utterly ridiculous. And that if you just left the market to it, it would solve itself. You know, we have, we've got a lower carbon footprint than anybody practically in the world, and we got it because we developed a technology to frack natural gas and that has lowered our footprint, our carbon footprint, tremendously. But they even want to shut that off. 
Progressivism is all about authoritarian control. And the sooner we begin to wake up and understand this, uh, the better off we're going to be. And one place we can start is pursuing the back door that's been left open to us to pursue the demise of the Joe Biden presidency. I'm going to play a short clip of uh, something you've probably heard multiple times if you're a Fox News watcher. Uh, It's Al Gore at the um, World Economic Forum. Uh, And it's just a sample of uh, him along with uh, John Kerry, a small sample of just how wacko progressivism is and this green agenda is. So here's Al Gore. We're still putting 162 million tons into it every single day. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act. You must remember that Al Gore was a vice president of the United States and could have become, uh, I think, the uh, 42nd president of the United States, but thankfully that didn't happen. Instead, he went off on this tangent about climate. He's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire at this point. He may be on his way to being a billionaire. Um, he put out a film in 2006, you may remember, called An Inconvenient Truth. Made all kinds of predictions, like all these science people and, and climate do. And uh, nothing, has, nothing has happened. Uh, the snows didn't melt off of Kilimanjaro. Uh, uh, oceans didn't rise. Uh, the polar bears didn't die. In fact, they've got a population problem now with the polar bears. Uh, nothing, nothing came true. He got a peace prize, a Nobel Peace Prize for uh, his efforts. But um, no wonder when you listen to him talk, no wonder our children have climate anxiety. I was uh, lucky enough to meet Al Gore at a Harvard um, graduation uh, commencement. Uh, in 1988 and signed my, um, my graduation prog- program. Uh, Tipper did too. Um, he didn't seem that crazy back in 1988, but he's certainly got, he's got the religion since then. At the same Economic World Forum this year in Davos, Switzerland, John Kerry gave a speech, and you may have heard part of this too on uh, different uh, social media platforms and on Fox News. Uh, here's, here's that short clip. It's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people... They think you're just a crazy, tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that um, John Kerry, who's in the Biden administration, as you know, is um, extraterrestrial. That's probably a very good description. 
when I was in graduate school at Harvard, um, I lived in Brookline, and um, I lived right next to a very large supermarket called Star Market. And I was in there one day, picked up a couple of things. I was in the less than 10 item aisle. And lo and behold, right behind me comes John Kerry. Now, he's a tall drink of water. He must be 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And uh, he's behind me, and there's only a couple of people in front of me. He walks in front of me and the other two people because he's special. He's part of the extraterrestrial group. And he looks at the three of us, and he says, I hope you don't mind, but I'm in a hurry. And, of course, what are you going to say? You know, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's, that's John Kerry. Just part of the special people. John Kerry's been part of the special people for a long time. But he's part of the special progressive people now and the special wokeism. And it's something we need to pay attention to because the Joe Biden administration is in this hook, line, and sinker. Well, let's get to the heart of the matter as to why I think Joe Biden is on the way out. But for the record, let's go over the timeline the best we know it. And I say the best we know it because a good part of this timeline, we have to depend on the Biden people uh, to tell us this timeline. We don't know. There's no way we could have to, uh, to corroborate this information. And it will be corroborated by congressional committee and other people that are going to look into it. But this timeline is something completely out of uh, the ether for all intents purposes. This scandal begins allegedly on November the 2nd when Biden's personal attorneys are in the Penn-Biden Center office in Washington, D.C., supposedly packing up his materials to be moved back to some storage area. He no longer needed that office that was provided uh, as part of a Penn and Biden joint venture uh, for international diplomacy and, and whatever. There's a question as to why you would use expensive attorneys, personal attorneys, to pack your office up. And were they packing his office up literally, as the Mayflower people would do when they come to move you? Or were they doing something else or looking for something else? This is a question that remains open, and I'm going to give you a theory in just a minute. Now, you have to remember that Joe Biden left the White House in 2017. He had no idea that he was going to run for the presidency again. He, I think he knew he had dementia problems coming on and some other health issues, and he never expected that this would be a possibility, especially with a lot of what he saw as talent coming up in the Democratic Party. So he, he turns around and he opens this joint venture with Penn, which has got all kinds of suspicions about how the funding came about, not only for this. He was being paid almost a million dollars a year in salary, to be there, but he had a host of other people there with him, including Hunter had an office there, and Chinese nationals had an office there, because Joe had decided to go into business, among other things, and use his influence to promote uh, his business interest. He was really into what they call wealth creation at that point. Now, he didn't want to conduct business out of his home, so they rented this space in 2018. And a number of materials were moved to this office from wherever he was kept him kept them in storage. From they moved from the White House to some storage facility, and then part of them ended up in this Penn Center. Now I'm going to play a clip, a small part of a, a clip from uh, Tony Bobolinsky, who was uh, a businessman who was asked to be the CEO of one of these new joint ventures the Bidens were forming 
uh, Hunter, uh, Joe, and Jim uh, Biden were, were going to be forming with the Chinese uh, company, and there was going to be $10 million seed money for this, and it's going to be very interesting when I tell you what they were going into business with. But let me pay, play this clip from Tony. I was informed first by Gillier, and then by Hunter Biden, and by Rob Walker, who was working with the Bidens, that the Bidens wanted to form a new entity with CFC, which was to invest in infrastructure, real estate, and technology in the U.S. and around the world. And the entity would initially be capitalized with $10 million and then grow to billions of dollars of investment capital. After months of discussion, I agreed at Gillier and Hunter Biden's request to become CEO of the entity to be called Sinohawk. Sino representing the Chinese side, Hawk representing Hunter Biden's brother Bo's favorite animal. And between February and May 2017, we exchanged numerous emails, documents, and WhatsApp messages concerning Sinohawk and its potential business. On May 2nd, 2017, I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At, and at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe that night, we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. So Joe Biden was going into business. He, pl he planned on being a capitalist, bully for him. They were going to invest in three things with this new joint venture Chinese company. Infrastructure, real estate, and technology. Now, the Biden part of the thing wasn't putting up any capital. Their contribution to this was their influence. Where were they going to conduct this business? They were going to conduct it to begin with in the United States. You know what business they actually planned on going in with infrastructure, real estate, and technology? Into natural gas. They were going to start with four sites in America that the Chinese, this joint venture, could go ahead and uh, take natural gas from these four sites and sell it abroad, predominantly in China. Eventually, the real estate part of this is the Bidens were going to help, allegedly, everything's allegedly, uh, they were going to help uh, purchase real estate plots that were going to be ideal sites for fracking of natural gas. And then this company would own these natural gas wells. Eventually, this would spread out to other countries, and this is how they were going to become all billionaires. Now, we know this not only from Tony Bobolinsky, and he's got some very solid evidence for this. And this was a tape, by the way, made just before the second presidential uh, debate. This is when they'd come out and said that uh, the laptop, the Hunter laptop, was Russian disinformation and no one should pay attention to it. Well, for whatever reason, this venture didn't go through. But the capital, the $10 million, apparently did get transferred and where that money went is part of the big mystery. Now, allegedly, when Biden's personal attorneys discovered this folder with secret documents in it, they called the White House. They didn't call the FBI. They didn't call the National. They didn't call the local police department or 911. They called the White House. The White House called the National Archives. The National Archives called the DOJ. 
And then on November 8th, the election happens. So there's six days between November 2nd and November 8th, and it didn't sound an awful lot like the Hunter Biden laptop story repeats itself. But we know as of today, January 20th, that the White House never had any intention of having any of this information surface. And by the way, this is not by the book. You're supposed to call the FBI. This is a crime scene. No one knows who has seen these documents, whether there are fingerprints on any of the folders or the secret documents, how they, you know, the provenance of these, how they got there, all the detail work that would have to be gone on. They just tried to make it as, uh, an assumption that some secretary mispacked uh, the belongings of Mr. Biden when he left his vice presidency, and that's how they got there. And this, you know, was a one-off kind of deal, and let's just all keep it hush-hush. Now, here's my theory, and it's my theory solely, as to what Biden's attorneys were looking for in the Penn-Biden office sometime before, I assume, November 2nd. Attorneys, certainly the kinds of personal attorneys that Mr. Biden had hired, would go through all the papers in this Penn-Biden office. They'd go through them one by one and make sure none of them contained any information or evidence of influence peddling while Joe was still in office or the kinds of uh, business things that went on after he left the office. They weren't there looking for uh, secret documents. They were there looking for personal documents that could implicate them in a huge scandal and embarrassment and possible criminal activity about their business dealings, the stuff that's been showing up on Hunter's laptop. Because there's two kinds of information on Hunter's laptop. There's the stuff they excuse away because he was a sick addict, and there's the information about all the influence peddling that he was doing in the Ukraine and Russia and China and multiple other countries even in South America plans that they had to, to peddle influence. What, in, what were they selling in those things? How did it connect with the Bobulinski uh, venture that they were planning? There were other ventures as well that we don't know the details to, but that's what those attorneys were there, in my opinion, looking for. They happened to stumble on these secret documents. Now, by the way, there are three classifications for confidential information a federal, in the federal government. The lowest form is confidential, second is secret, and the top clearance is top secret. All these documents have very distinct covers to them, uh, often uh, color-coded. Confidential is blue, I think uh, secret is red, and top secret is orange. And some of these uh, documents are also code-worded classified. So on top of having a top secret clearance, you'd have to have a code word to be able to uh, to read this. Additionally, every paragraph in that document at the beginning of the paragraph has another classification. Some information in the document isn't classified at all. Others is classified as a confidential or secret or still at the top uh, category. So you may have a document, by the way, that's 100 pages long, and there's only four paragraphs in it that are top secret. The whole document becomes top secret, but you can look through it and find it paragraph after paragraph, there's no classification symbol to it until you get to uh, that paragraph that starts off with 
a top secret. These are impossible to miss, uh, these documents. They're very distinct. Now, the question naturally arises as to, is it possible that Joe Biden took these documents to let other people know uh, confidentially that he had these kinds of clearances? Supposedly, these documents have to do with Ukraine and China, and we don't know what else, and we don't know how many of them are at the top category or what the nature is. We do know that there's a picture of Joe Biden in the White House uh, standing next to another fella, and Joe has got one of these documents in a folder. He's holding it out in front of him, and it says, code-worded, top-secret vice president. And that's, you could just see the cover sheet on it, as if he's advertising that I, that I have this kind of clearance. I've never seen another uh, picture like this before, where you have a sitting president or vice president holding up in front of him uh, in full view uh, the, the nature of a, such a document. We learned today that there were eight very close associates of the president, eight of them, and people at the DOJ were assuming that was Merrick Garland that knew about this find that happened on November 2nd. The story that broke today tried to wash this all as just a document mishandling situation, no, nothing to see here. And of course, they didn't want to get in, in, in the way of of why they hadn't reported this yet to anybody, and they didn't want it to get in the way of assigning a special prosecutor to the Trump case at Mar-a-Lago. So they tacitly agreed to just bury the whole story. But to cover his tale, Mr. Garland, he tasks the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Chicago to review these few documents that they'd found to see if anything further should happen. And, of course, we expect that that would have gone nowhere. Now, on November 18th, it was a very public announcement. Mr. Garland appoints Jack Smith, a, a, a bulldog, a former federal and international war crimes prosecutor, as a special counsel to oversee the Justice Department's investigation into Mr. Trump, including how classified documents ended up in this beach resort called Mar-a-Lago. Remember, at this point, we don't know anything about the Biden secret document issue. All this is being held secret by the White House, the DOJ, possibly the FBI. We know it includes uh, National Archives and the president's personal attorneys, of course. And then something else happens. December 20th, Biden's lawyers, they fess up that they found another cache of documents at the Biden residence. And they're not in just one place, they're in two or three places. Again, remember, we don't know anything about this issue either. We don't know anything other than Donald Trump's case has been assigned a special prosecutor. Allegedly, and I say that carefully, on January 5 of this year, the special U.S. attorney in Chicago supposedly tells Merrick Garland that he thinks further investigation by a special counsel is warranted in the Joe Biden case, but he can't do it because he's leaving for the private sector. Remember, we don't know anything about this issue as of yet. This is all being held secret by the White House, the DOJ, the National Archives, and the President's personal attorneys. January 9, the CBS News Network reports that Mr. Biden's personal attorneys discovered classified materials in his think tank office more than two months earlier. 
the White House confirms the report. On this date, January 9, they did not report that there had been a second trove of documents found at the president's personal residence. On January 11, the news reports that additional documents have been found. On January 12, a lawyer calls and says, by the way, we found another set of documents. On that same day, January 12, Merrick Garland appoints Robert Hur, a former U.S. attorney, as special counsel in the Biden document probe. January 14 rolls around and the White House says additional pages marked as classified were found at Mr. Biden's Wilmington home and have been given to the Justice Department. Now, in my opinion, what's criminal beyond this point is that the Justice Department had worked a deal out once again, a private deal, with Biden's attorneys that the Biden attorneys could do searching of the rest of Biden's property to see if any other documents showed up. Unquestionably, this is not proper procedure because every place these documents have been found is potentially, by definition, a crime scene. There wasn't any FBI showing up in helicopters and special vans all walking around with AR-15s going through uh, underwear drawers and closets and every other space possible in the Biden residence. Very strange how these things have been handled so differently. And this is part of the weaponization of both the DOJ and the FBI. The next big question to be answered, beside why were there attorneys in the Biden pen office on November 2nd, is why the leak now? Why the leak on January 9? Well, Mark Levin has a theory about that. But first, I have to play a clip of an interview Mark Levin had with Jamie Comer, who's the chair of the Oversight Committee in the House, the GOP Oversight Committee. This interview took place on national TV, the um, Mark Levin show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, on January 8th. That's Sunday, January 8th. This leak came out to CBS on January 9th, one day later. Go. Let me ask you one final question. The National Archives. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you folks will take a look at how they have applied their rules to past presidents, past secretaries of state, past attorney generals and so forth, because I don't believe in two seconds that no past president or vice president or attorney general or secretary of state doesn't have some document at home or didn't destroy some document. I don't believe it at all. Is that something you'll look into? Yes. In fact, the National Archives is under uh, our jurisdiction in the Oversight Committee. I sincerely believe, and I don't have the evidence, we're going to look into this, but I sincerely believe that that raid on Mar-a-Lago was triggered by the January 6th Committee, just doing a fishing expedition to see if they could find anything, Mm -hmm. anything they could use against Donald Trump. So uh, that was wrong. Uh, Every request we've made to the National Archives, they've referred us to, to Merrick Garland. And we're going to, again, uh, demand that they give us some answers as to uh, what went on and what actually triggered that raid. And we have evidence where other presidents uh, in both parties had inadvertently taken uh, documents home before and nothing like that had ever happened uh, previously. It's Mark Levin's contention that this interview so troubled the White House that they decided They could wait no longer to get this story out. 
And so they decided just to leak the front part of it, just the documents that had to do with those at the Penn Biden Center. They couldn't afford to wait to have the Oversight Committee or the Judiciary Committee or the Intelligence Committee, all controlled by the GOP in the House, discover that they had buried this. But they didn't come out and talk about the December 20th documents until just recently. That happened after the third set of classified documents showed up. This fiasco by the Biden White House is the back door and the reason they're going to be very comfortable exploring influence peddling by Joe Biden and his family. And I predict that Joe Biden will not be able to stand the sunlight that's going to come in over the business dealings he was doing when he thought he was no longer going to be part of any elective office. There's so much more to say, and I'm going to say it next week because there's more discoveries every day and there are things that I couldn't even possibly get in to this particular show. But there's big time trouble for Joe. Well, we're coming to a close and I thank you so much for sharing your time with me today. You've been listening to The Frankly Daniel Show.